0: Welcome again to the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Lisa Gonzalez. This week, Chris Mitchell looked into the Lifeline program. The program offers credit toward landline and wireless phone service for those who would not be able to afford it otherwise. The Lifeline program has come into harsh scrutiny from elected officials. Members of Congress have repeatedly called for more restrictions on enrollees, alleging fraud, waste, and abuse. Their media assault portrays participants as young women with purses full of phones. We wanted to know more about the Lifeline program. Chris first touched base with Sarah Morris, Policy Counsel for the Open Technology Institute at New America Foundation, and she provided some background and talked about qualifications for eligibility. Then Chris spoke with Anna Montes, the organizing director for TURN, the utility reform network. Anna works directly with consumers and sees the impact of the program in the trenches. Here are Chris, Sarah, and Anna. So,
1: Sarah Morris, uh, what are the qualifications for the Lifeline program?
2: So, the baseline criteria as of 2012 is that um, consumers are required, consumers who want to use the program are required to have either a household income at or below 135% of the federal poverty guidelines, or they have to participate in at least one of a number of federal assistance programs. These include things like Medicaid, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, among many others.
1: So I can't just wander down the street and find an area to sign up and just sign up willy-nilly?
2: No. In fact, an additional requirement now is that you actually have to certify that you're eligible. So you have to meet the eligibility requirements. You have to certify um, under penalty of perjury that you um, meet those requirements. And then every year after that, you have to recertify saying, yes, I still meet the eligibility requirements for the program.
1: Now this seems this seems rather at odds with with this narrative that that we've seen um, among a certain segment of people in Congress and those who are looking for an opportunity to criticize President Obama. Uh, they've been calling this program the Obama phone program and and suggesting that it's out of control. And I'm curious what your response is to that.
2: Um, yeah, the Obama phone um, name is a misname, misnomer for a lot of reasons. Um, First of all, it was actually the program was actually started um, under President Reagan in 1985. It was later expanded um, under President Bush to include wireless service. Um, This was in the wake of Hurricane Katrina when the FCC realized that one of the best ways to provide immediate, um, quick, efficient cell phone service to those displaced by the storm was to um, provide them with prepaid cell phone services um, through the Lifeline program. So it was expanded under President Bush, and it was actually President Obama. Um, under President Obama, that the um, FCC implemented um, a number of reforms to help make the program run more more efficiently and to um, avoid some of the du- duplicative use or um, the use of, of the program by ineligible consumers, and just some of the the, the ways that the companies that are using the program have um, sort of skirted around. Disclosure requirements and, and and tightened up the program and made it more efficient. So it was actually the role of our current president was to make the the program run better. And it's a misnomer on an, on another level in that um, the the Lifeline program doesn't actually provide users with cell phones. It's it's a it's a program that's designed to provide a discount on um, wireline or wireless phone service. So. There, it doesn't provide f- for phones. Companies can choose to offer a phone to, to users, but um, the Lifeline program itself doesn't, doesn't subsidize that.
1: When you talk about how the, the program was initiated under Reagan and reformed multiple times, I wonder, uh, is it still relevant today with uh, the networks that we're seeing and the changes that we're seeing? Um, you know, how, how should a modern Lifeline program uh, deal with making sure everyone has the ability to communicate?
2: You know, as we've seen with the evolution of the program itself, communication needs of end users um, change and evolve over time. This is one of the reasons that um, a wireless service is actually very useful for for current Lifeline subscribers in a lot of circumstances because they often um, don't necessarily have um, as stable of housing situations. They move around a lot during the day. They need access in in a different context than what we traditionally see as the the wireline home phone um, system. What we're also seeing, though, is that um, communication needs are continuing to evolve, and we're we're moving towards an era where broadband is an important, some argue, critical resource for um, communicating with with loved ones, for finding employment, for managing one's day to day life. We've actually advocated to the commission that the program should be expanded to include. Um, the option for users to apply their discount to broadband service. Right now, currently under the the Commission's reforms in 2012, users of the Lifeline program can use their discount for bundled packages, packages that include phone service and internet service, for example, but they can't currently use their um, discount for standalone broadband service. So, that's one area where we think that as this program continues to modernize and continues to evolve. Um, that we would hope that the commission would look at ways and um, in which the the lifeline discount might be used for broadband service as well.
1: All right. That's really helpful. Thank you.
2: All right. Thanks, Chris.
1: I'm on the phone right now with Ana Montes. Ana, can you please tell us about your organization?
3: Sure. Um, I'm the organizing director for TURN, which is the Utility Reform Network. Uh, we're based out of California, and we're a statewide organization. Uh, TURN is almost 30 years old. It was actually started by a senior citizen who had had enough with the rising uh, electric rates as well as changes and rising rates for telephone services. Since then, it has grown, and uh, we now work on, uh, continue to work on energy, telecommunication, telephone issues, water uh solar uh, different other different areas impacting utility consumers in California so what we do, what we've done throughout the years is we've protected consumers from hundreds of millions of dollars of unnecessary rate hikes posed by energy and telecom utilities through our involvement at the California Public Utilities Commission, and we've done a lot in working with other groups as well to win consumer protection measures. In the state, either through the California Public Utilities Commission, or through the California Legislature.
1: Yes, we've actually worked together a little bit on a, on a couple of proceedings here or there, and I've I've really appreciated the work that you've done. Um, the, one of the one of the projects that you've been working on lately has been the Lifeline program, which is a, a federal program. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
3: The Lifeline program was actually. Uh, adopted or was created in 1985 as part of the Reagan administration. And it was created to provide a discount on phone service for low-income consumers to make sure that all Americans had the opportunity and security to have telephone service uh, that was affordable. So in 2005, the program was modernized and the prepaid Lifeline phone service was created. Now. While this program program was created at the federal level, every state also implemented their own state lifeline program. There were still certain rules they had to follow, but basically the program was created to help low-income consumers have the opportunity to connect to individuals with a telephone so that they could... they could um, do the things that they needed to do so that they could have access to telephone services. Um, It's very important to be able to communicate um, effectively with reliable telephone service for many different reasons. So California, for example, implemented the Lifeline program probably uh, around the same time, 1985. And every state is a little bit different in terms of of eligibility requirements, et cetera, although that is now changing and it's becoming standard um, nationally.
1: Why exactly does it matter if, uh, if a person has access to a telephone? Now, I think it's nice to have a telephone, but, but what does it really matter if a person just doesn't have access?
3: One of the things that that we've been doing, actually, is we've been working with uh, directly with individuals. I mean, we we have ideas of why it's why it's important based on our own experiences, but you don't really know the full impact until you start really talking to people to really understand how important it is and why it's important to maintain a lifeline program. So we we've, we've worked with a lot of individuals that If they did not have a telephone, they would not be able to communicate in an emergency situation. They would not be able to call their doctors. Uh, They would not be able to um, deal with Social Security um, or take care of any businesses, any business that they need. Not everybody has a car. Not everybody can afford to um, travel. Transportation is becoming more and more expensive. Everybody doesn't have a car. Gas is becoming very, very expensive. And a lot of things are also being automated. So there's many times where you can, cannot even go into an office. We've also talked with a lot of people who really require the telephone so that they can meet basic needs. For example, finding a job. Uh, many employers will do their screening by phone. If you don't have a phone and you cannot do that screening, you will lose out on opportunities to find a job.
1: This was actually brought home for me because I moved shortly after my college graduation and um, and the telephone company uh, made a mistake and disconnected my line rather than transferring it to my new house, um, the new apartment where, where I was living. And I had just sent my resume out to a bunch of places and I'd applied for a bunch of jobs. And uh, you know, this is a time when there wasn't a whole lot of us that had cell phones. Um, and so I felt just totally disconnected and furious because I had this opportunity where I had applied for jobs. I was excited to try and find a job. And I had six days where, nobody, where anyone who called me, um, they would have gotten no answer, would have said services disconnected or something like that. And I had to rely on a pay phone. And pay phones are great for outgoing calls but it really hurts when you're trying to accept incoming calls
3: exactly and and today you can't even find a pay phone
1: all right absolutely that's even it's even worse today
3: yeah yeah so it's it's just i mean the phone has really become a, um a way to communicate uh directly with um with employers with doctors social workers uh, your children um being able to communicate over the phone really helps to keep a person also mentally healthy. If you are disabled or you're elderly um, and you're stuck at home, not being able to communicate to the outside world can really, really impact a person's mental health. And so we have a lot of low-income, fixed-income seniors that that whose lifeline is literally a lifeline um, people looking for jobs. It is a lifeline.
1: So let me ask you something then. um, You said about the program being modernized. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, I presume that that means you can use wireless now, and I'm curious what some of the limits are uh, in terms of how that works.
3: Sure, and and I'm going to share a story with you along the way as well. Um, So we've we've been working with quite a few individuals in California that are homeless, um, living in single residence, only hotels, families, families. seniors, et cetera, all kinds of different situations. And a lot of people um, have become mobile out of necessity. So you have a, do have a lot of people that are using cell phones. Although based on current information, current studies, CDC, we also know that a lot of people still have both. So we know people are using both cell phones and um, landline telephones. But when you're dealing with a lot of people who are mobile, they are becoming more and more dependent on cell phones until they can uh, get their lives situated. So we have people that have the need to have affordable cell phone service. There is a federal program right now that is called the, it's uh, being offered by different companies where people can get a free 250 minutes. We have a lot of people that have subscribed to the 250 minutes free cell phones. And we're really finding out that it it is not meeting their needs. It's almost like a teaser. You know, for 250 minutes or eight minutes a day, you can make a phone call. We've been told stories by people that the 250 min- minutes can be eaten up in a, in a few days. I had a person that told me that they were uh, trying to contact um, um, the unemployment department because they were on unemployment. And, you know, unemployment now does interviews by the phone, over the phone. So there was a person that was talking to a counselor from the unemployment office uh, who got cut off couldn't even finish the call and couldn't call him back because the 250 minutes had run out and at the same time we were also told that contacting the unemployment office is just as bad as trying to contact dmv because everything is becoming automated it's you know um it's it's becoming a lot tougher and and also with deregulation where certain rules are no longer uh being enforced or in place that's also contributed to people being placed on hold. There, you know, there there used to be a time when if you called the phone company, you would get a live voice.
1: Okay, so just to sum up then, if you're on lifeline at home on a wired connection, you have a subsidized connection that you can afford and it's unlimited. Uh, and then, if you're on the wireless lifeline program, then you're more limited. You have 250 minutes. You have to pay for time both for the calls that you're making as well as those that you're receiving. And it works out to eight minutes a day.
3: Right. The 250 minutes free phone service works out to eight minutes a day. And everything gets counted from the moment you pick up that phone and get a dial tone, um, or whether you're answering it or whether you're making a call, it is all counted. Mm hmm. California is looking at a California wireless lifeline plan. And we're concerned about having enough minutes to be able to find that job or to uh, have a conversation with your doctors or social workers or family members. But we're also really concerned about the quality of the phones and on the federal lifeline uh, plan. You know, people don't reach, for example, when you call 911, you do not get local emergency services. Mm-hmm. You will get um, the highway patrol, um, and that, and that in itself is can create an emergency situation. So, the so we're also very very concerned about the the lack of quality um, in um, in the federal plan too in terms of 911. Now, to be fair. That is something that they do know about and they have been working on it. But we really feel that there's nothing like being able to, to reach a local provider if you are in an emergency situation. You don't want to be transferred. Is
1: there is there anything else we should know? Are there any other stories of of people that are using Lifeline to uh, to uh that you know of in particular?
3: Um, so we do have a lot of, of uh of folks that live in single residences. And they're, they're really dependent upon the lifeline. If, and if they did not have access to that program, they would be um, totally without the ability to, to make any kinds of phone calls. And so we, get a, we have a lot of conversations with people that, that really want to see improvements in, in the program, both on the federal level and on the national level. We've had stories of people who, uh, elderly people, who had an emergency where they had an accident. And if they hadn't had that telephone in the house, they would have not been able to reach anybody in an emergency situation. Uh, They would have not been able to um, have answered the phone, you know, and you mentioned yourself, you had a story of where you had some missed opportunities. They would have missed the opportunity to get a phone call from an employer or uh, they would have missed the opportunity to even get a phone call about food. And shelter. So we hear a lot of different stories from people, but I would say that you do have particular stories for single residents only, very, very poor people. Then the everyday person, you do have a lot of stories of missed opportunities and the need for um, having access to a phone to either um, because of an emergency situation. Uh, needing to reach your children's school, needing to be able to communicate with your children, needing to communicate um, with other resources. We have a lot of people that because of the economic downturn who have never needed to use those programs before, now uh, it's, it's becoming even more important than ever. So for 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 many people, the Lifeline Telephone Services is very, very important. It's not just for the, um, you know, very, very low income. People, as I mentioned, um, have are having a lot of hardships and are now qualifying for a service they never thought that they would qualify for. And so we're hearing those stories. I've I've had an ex-millionaire call who was very, very embarrassed. But he, um, there was, uh, you know, given the economic downturn, he lost everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, with
3: the market, the crash of the market, um, he found himself in a position where he just, didn't know what to do, didn't know what to turn, and so um, so he called us because he needed some help um, on some things. And and so it's 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 such an important service that people really need to support it. I would say that fraud is not as rampant as people are led to believe. There's there's very st- strict eligibility requirements. We do not need to make it stricter the stricter we make it the harder it is for people to use the service
1: right i think sometimes people lose fact lose sight of the fact that there's a trade off right which is to say we would all like to see no fraud and no waste in the system but if there's let's just say that there's $10 of waste in a system and you spend $30 to try and eliminate that waste then you're really taking away thirty dollars worth of benefits to um, to other people, because or twenty dollars worth of benefits, depending on how you want to do the calculation, because you're spending so much more to stop um, a small bit of waste. It's just it's not a wise use of money.
3: Exactly, and those same people may find themselves in a position of needing that service someday. If they don't, I, I you know, of course we we don't want to see people in those positions but they may find themselves in a position. Plus, those same people that end up needing that service also at one time or another probably paid into it, you know, because mm-hmm. Lifeline is, is supported by a uh, surcharge. We all pay that surcharge. So it, it's, you know, the thinking that, well, I don't want to support that person because they, they don't work, they need to go out there and get a job. That's not the case. I mean, these are people that probably paid into the fund at one time or another um, and now find themselves in a position where they really need to use that service so that they can get ahead again.
1: Right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and to help us learn more about Lifeline. I really appreciate it.
3: Thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you about it.
0: You can learn more about the program and find out some specific actions you can take on the turn.org website and the New America Foundation website at oti.newamerica.net. We want to hear your reactions. Email us at podcast at org. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at communitynets. This show was released on June 11, 2013. Thank you to Eat It Joes for their self-titled song licensed using Creative Commons. Thanks for listening.
3: Eat Joes! Eat Joes! Eat Joes! Eat Joes! Edith Joes. Edith Joes. Edith Joes.